Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we conclude our two-part series entitled 21 Revelations of the Cross. In this series, Lead Pastor Rex Johnson has spoken on how Passover is the prelude to the cross and how it ties together with Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And now, Pastor Johnson. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 20 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, say without blemish, and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. I speak tonight on 21 revelations of the cross. We have about 10 more to go. Would you clap your hands real big and say, I'm going to help you tonight, Pastor. God bless you. You may be seated. So this week, tonight, we're going to conclude this series, this three-week series of Passover and Cross. We're going to discuss more of the incredible truths that are revealed in the cross of Jesus Christ. There are at least, in my assumption, at least 21 revelations in the cross, and we have preached 11 of those. So tonight, I want to preach 10 more that I trust will bless you. There's a great story about an artist named Roden who one day saw a huge carved crucifix beside the road, and he immediately loved the artwork and insisted on having it for himself. So he purchased the cross and arranged it to have it carted back to his house. But unfortunately, it was too big for the building. So of all things, he knocked out the walls, he raised the roof, and rebuilt his home, all to compensate the cross. Pretty good story. A little boy who was just learning about addition and subtraction in school looked up during worship one Sunday and saw the cross over the baptistry and he hollered, look, Daddy, there's a plus sign in our church. Great story. An ad agency did some research for a church that wanted to improve attendance and reach more people and here was the ad agency's proposal. Stop the preaching of the cross entirely. Stop preaching about the blood entirely. Don't even mention the cross at all. And if you have any pictures of them in your church, get them out. I'd like to say thank you, sirs. You won't be coming here to give us any input on how to grow a church. I want to talk about the cross tonight because I think it's the centerpiece of everything that we are. I think from the time that the prophecy was given in Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman would bruise the heel of the serpent. And the head of the serpent would bruise the heel of the head of the seed of the woman. The cross has been in the foresight of all the prophets, of all the sages of old. And we can go all the way to Revelation and we can look back. And we can all point to one great moment. And that's the moment on a place called Calvary, the place of the skull, where Jesus Christ died between two common thieves, and he was the redemption, even for a man who was rebelling and for a man who was repenting. 
It's an amazing thing to me that everything points to the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, many, many theologians believe that the center word in the entire Bible is the word lamb. I think it's important to understand that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So we talked about 11 things, 11 revelations. I want to talk about number 12 through 21 tonight. Let me talk about the Passover like communion is a memorial, which means the cross like communion is a memorial. God told Moses that the Passover would be a memorial. Say memorial. So communion, when we take it, likewise, is a memorial to the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul never talked about remembering his birth. He never talked about remembering his, his resurrection. He only talked about remembering his death. Even more importantly, as we partake of the Lamb, Christ Jesus, and as we do, we receive health as we celebrate communion. It's an amazing thing. I've always said that when we take communion, and we're going to take it next Friday night, week on Good Friday, when we celebrate communion, there's something about a renewing in our life and a renewing in our heart. And it makes us just feel better. You may not be better, but it sure makes you feel better. And we experience also when we take communion and remember the death of Jesus Christ, the union with the body in communion, because we are united with the body of Jesus Christ. And our common union is the blood of the Lamb. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I used to have an old pastor say, Oh, precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow, wow, wow. You know, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. When the blood of Christ hit the ground, when the first drops of that blood hit the ground, there was an earthquake and the sun went dark because the earth could not stand the shed blood of the voice that had created it so many eons ago. Here's what I want to tell you, folks. The power of the blood can shake the earth. If it can shake the earth, it ought to shake you up. If it can shake the earth, it ought to cleanse your heart. If it can make the ground open up and graves pop open, it ought to bless you and make you open up to the Spirit of the Lord. There is nothing more powerful. It puts union with us with the body in communion. Our common union is His blood. Clap your hands for the blood tonight. Number 13. The Passover, like communion, is given for generations to come. It's for generations. It's not just for one time and then we forget it. In Exodus chapter 12, 14, we're told that Passover should be observed. Everybody say throughout the generations. You need to teach your kids about Passover. You need to teach your kids about the cross. You need to teach your children about communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 26, For as often as you eat this bread, Jesus said, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes, which illuminates the necessity to continue this observance until Jesus returns for his church. Never, ever let what we do in communion become common. Never. 
In fact, he told Peter one time when he sent the sheep down, not once, not twice, but three times, and all manner of unclean animals on that sheep, Peter said, I'm not going to eat it because it's common and unclean. And God on the third, third trip said, Pete, let me tell you something, big boy. What I have cleansed, don't you ever call common. Well, don't you ever call common. And can I tell you, the blood of Jesus is our cleansing agent. Don't you ever call what we do when we do communion around here as being common. When it's announced here, make that service. It is so necessary. Don't dodge communion. So next Friday night, I expect the wall-to-wall people to be here because we're going to renew what God is doing for us in our life. According to a research con- conducted by George Gallup, the Gallup poll, 12% of Americans are highly spiritually committed people. And these are those who truly understand that Je- what Jesus meant when he said, take up my cross and follow me. Take up a cross and follow me. And Gallup said the members of this group are a breed apart from the rest of the populace in at least four ways. Are you ready? Number one, people that understand the power and the meaning of the cross are happier people. Everybody say they're happier. Woo, we're a happy people. Yes, we are. Number two, their families are stronger. Say families are stronger. You get the cross in your house, your family's going to rally around something. Amen. Number three, they're tolerant of people of different races and different religions. They show grace instead of judgment. They show mercy instead of madness. And number four, they are community-minded. You know what I believe? I believe this church has a cross in the center of it. Because I believe I pastor a bunch of happy people. We, we dedicated 34 babies here Sunday. That's a happy church. <laughs> Couples are not mad at one another. Hello, hello, amen. Had a little couple come in tonight and said, Pastor, guess what? I said, what? I said, we're expecting again. I said, Hallelujah. When people are happy, it's because the cross is in their life. And when families are happy, it's because Jesus is the center of their joy. Their family is stronger. They're tolerant of people of other races and other religions. And they are community-minded. They want to help somebody. Wow. I could preach on that for a while. Number 14, not a bone in Jesus was broken on the cross. That's a revelation, folks. According to Exodus 12 and 46, explicit directions were given concerning the care of the Passover lamb. Exodus 12, 46 says, in one house it shall be eaten. In other words, everybody comes in because he said the lamb may be too big for the house, so you've got to get more people to your house. He never said the house was too big for the lamb. In one house it shall be eaten, and you shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. You know, we used to eat chicken. My brother and I would fight for the pulley bone. You know what I'm saying? And uh, when we got through, Daddy sometimes flipped a coin who got the pulley bone. And Mama sometimes would give me half the meat and Eddie half the meat. He didn't like that. He wanted all of it. Then we'd pop that, everybody ever done that? Pop that pulley bone? Whoever gets the long one wins. And we'd break the bone of that chicken every time we had chicken. But when you had lamb, you didn't break the bone. 
of the lamb. You didn't break the bones of the lamb. It's amazing how precise those directions were, especially in light of what happened to the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, on Calvary's cross. The psalmist David, with prophetic foresight, wrote these words. A thousand years before Christ came to the earth, he keepeth all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Everybody say he keeps them all. And in John 19, 33, explains exactly what happened on the cross. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Remember, the lamb was to be offered without blemish and had to be perfect, which certainly meant that no legs could be broken. The amazing thing is that Jesus died on the cross before the Roman soldiers had a chance to break his legs that caused almost instant suffocation and death. Because the, the people who were crucified used their legs to push up to get a breath and then went down and pushed up with their legs to get another breath. But Jesus, traditionally it was how the soldiers killed the people on the cross. But the Lamb of God who offered himself bruised and bloodied and battered didn't have any bones broken in his body. What a perfect ransom for the sins of mankind. Nobody made him die. He gave himself as a ransom for you and I so we could have joy unspeakable and full of glory. What a revelation. Can I say that the church, his body on earth, needs an unbroken fellowship. I want you to turn around to somebody and say, I like you whether you like that or not. Tell somebody. I'm going to look at them and say, no breaking down, no breaking away, and tell your wife, no breaking up. Say, we are his body. We must function together. This is who we are. This is what we are. If his body wasn't broken, our body's not going to be broken. Come on, let's get together, everybody. Let's have us a Holy Week revival this next week. Y'all too? Let's have a Holy Week revival this next week and see what God can do in our life. Father, visit a kindergarten class where the teacher frequently reminded misbehaving kids to stop being a wham. The kids straightened up as soon as their teacher pointed out that they were being a wham, W-A-M. What's a wham? Why was being a wham so bad? The teacher explained a wham stands for what about me? She was training kids to be less self-centered. She wanted them to think of others' needs, not just their own. So she taught them like no one liked a wham, a self-centered person who only asked, what about me? Instead, the teacher was teaching the children to be away, W-A-Y. And somebody asked, what does that mean? She says, what about you? A church that is really the way for people to walk is a church that says, what about you, not what about me? We, got, we have enough narcissism in the world. We don't need it in the house of God. Come on, bow down at the feet of the cross and let's become a church of the way. What about you? What about others? Come on now, clap your hands and rejoice. Number 15. Everybody say there was safety. Only in the house under the protection of the blood of the lamb. Exodus chapter 12 said, and you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. 
And none of you, say none of us, shall go out of the door of his house until morning. You know what that morning represents to us? By and by when the morning comes. For the Lord will pass through and strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. Isn't that powerful? Is that powerful word or what? Can I tell you the cross, the cross, the cross allows us to put the blood of Jesus Christ, not a four-footed beast, but a two-footed lamb of God. It points to the safety of staying in the right place. Do you realize, folks, that in the Old Testament there were six cities of refuge, three on one side of the Jordan, three on the other side? And do you realize, now you've got to get this, do you realize that if a man caused a problem and was known as a manslayer, and perhaps it was an accident, did not do it on purpose, but somebody, somebody died, there was a man called the accuser of blood that would chase him and run after him. And if the man was close enough to the city of refuge, he could get to the city of refuge. But you've got you to get this now. You've got to get this. The city of refuge built roads outside the walls of those cities. You didn't have to get all the way to the gate of the city. You could get within a mile and a half to two miles. It was really measured in yards. And there were people that mined the road. And that road was paved when the other roads were dirt. Because there's something about grace. There's something about grace. If you just make up your mind to head to the house of God, to head to a place of mercy, there's going to be an unveiling of a road in your path. And God's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. There's people in this house tonight that are broke and busted and disgusted. But I'm here to tell you something. God Almighty opened up an avenue and an effectual for you. This house, you don't have to be inside it. If you're just headed toward it, God's got a miracle for you. You can be spared from the avenger of blood. And when they got inside that city, when they got inside that city, they were safe as long as they stayed inside that city. Wow. I think Christian Life Church is one of those cities of refuge. None of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. They were told to apply the blood with a bunch of hyssop on the door. Hyssop is a plant in the Middle East that's symbolic of purity. Everybody say purity. So King David prayed in his beautiful prayer in Psalms 51. He said, purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hallelujah. Solomon spoke of the tall cedar along with the hyssop. Hyssop is about a foot or two feet tall is all it grows. But Solomon talked about the tall cedars along with the hyssop. Meaning from the highest to the lowest. So the blood is sufficient for all of our sins. From the highest sin in this house to the lowest sinner in this house. God can say from the uttermost, you know what's coming next, to the guttermost. There's no matter what your rank in life is. The blood is applied with purity on a hyssop. And the most precious thing we have is the blood. Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. And there is no remission without the shedding of blood. It's applied with the common plant. Because this salvation is not big and fancy. It's a common salvation, which means it's available to everybody. 
everybody can come to know Jesus Christ. Oh, let me preach right now. Let me say something. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to come on down here and find him. You need to get a hold of Jesus Christ tonight. It's a common salvation for everybody. Wow. Wow. Number 16, I got to hurry. Number 16, during the Passover, because of the cross, the enemy of our God's children is spoiled. Wow. Something remarkable happened in Egypt the night of the Passover. And something remarkable happened in the bowels of the earth the day at Calvary. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 31 through 36, I won't read it. The scripture says that they spoiled the Egyptians. They borrowed silver. <laughs> they borrowed jewels. They borrowed gold. They borrowed raiment. The Israelites took what the Egyptians had to finance their trip. But I know something better than that that happened at the cross. Jesus, when he was buried, went down. And the Bible said in 1 Peter three nineteen, he ministered to spirits in prison. Oh, my God. And the Bible said he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. What he did, he walked in there and said, Devil, you've had the keys long enough. He didn't ask for them. He said, I'm taking the keys of death and hell and the grave. And from now on, their trip's going to be financed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, Daniel. Come on out of that place. Come on, Abraham. Come on, Isaac. Come on, Jacob. He led spirits captive. He led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Here's what I want to tell you. When you come in contact with the blood of Jesus, it'll open up every prison door. It'll open up everything that holds you back. It'll roll every stone away from your grave because there's something powerful about the connection of the blood of Jesus Christ. He knows how to finance your trip. Everybody getting their trip financed by the Lord. Aren't you happy about that? Number 17, both the Passover and the work of the cross provide a holy convocation or a supernatural rest. Exodus 12 and 6, in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. In the seventh day, that's seven days later, there shall be a holy convocation. Holy convocation to start, holy convocation to finish. No matter of work shall be done in them. So, what, what the Lord was saying even back in the Passover time, there would be a a rest season. In the Passover season, the children of Israel were commanded to start and end the feast with rest. Now, he meant literally in that day to go to bed and rest and to go to your lounge chair and rest, but we could know what the rest is. The rest is being blessed by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing like the rest of the Holy Spirit. The work of Calvary brings us into our Sabbath, our rest. We cease from work and we rest in him. Remember, on the cross, He's the only one that ever said it's finished. He's the only high priest that ever said it's finished. There was never a chair <laughs> in the temple. Never a chair for a priest to sit down and say, wow, I think I'm done. No. He had to work from early to late. Worked on two-week shifts. And it was an amazing thing. He never got to sit down. But Jesus, the high priest, said, it's finished. And when he said it's finished, the rest started coming in. The rest and the refreshing that only Jesus Christ can give. Aren't you glad? Yes. Now, now listen, aren't you glad? I, I, aren't you glad, first of all, I don't preach a long time? <laughs> oh, y'all didn't get real happy about that. Aren't you glad that I know when to shut up? 
But isn't it more wonderful to know that when you come to church, I saw people come in their work clothes tonight. They come straight from work because that's just what they have to do to be here on Wednesday night on time. Some people get off 6, 6.30. They came straight to the house of God. I love you, and I thank God for you. But you know why you come? Because you know when you leave here, you're going to be rested. This hour and 15 minutes is not something heavy on you. It's not something to weight you down. You're going to be rested in the Lord. In fact, many of you go by IHOP tonight. Many of you go by gyms tonight and talk for another hour and a half because you got such a good rest in the house of God. Isn't that an awesome thing? Clap your hands for that because God gives us the rest which calls the weary to rest and the refreshing. Number 18, the blood shall never lose The blood shall never lose its power. If the blood worked in 33 A.D., the blood of Jesus still works now. If the power of the name of the Lord still raised people up for the disciples in that day, the name of the Lord still heals people today. I know Brother Mitch told you about it, but a 19-year-old girl today, a 19-year-old girl, the doctor brought in the reports and said, this is yesterday's heart, this is today's heart. We're going to get those reports and put them on the screen for you because we believe that God not only can heal a headache, He can heal a heartache. He can heal a life ache. I just think sometimes the Lord just kind of slips those things in to let you know that there's power in the blood of the Lamb of God. Wow, that's neat. Brother Tom and Sister Nancy were there last evening and the doctor had wrote on the board, fix the heart. And Brother Tom said, we prayed, Lord, fix that heart. And guess what? There's a physician higher than the physician working at that hospital. Anybody ever been healed by the blood of Jesus? Come on. Anybody ever been healed by the blood of Jesus? Anybody ever been healed by the blood of Jesus? God commanded Israel to keep the Passover continually and to apply the blood even after coming to the promised land. And so it is with us. The blood of Jesus must be applied continually in our lives. It's a daily cleansing in his blood. First John 1 said, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us. From all sin. Can I tell you that healing's in the atonement? Can I tell you salvation's in the atonement? Can I tell you deliverance is in the atonement? Don't ever come around here, ad agency, and try to tell us to take the cross out of this church. We're going to keep preaching the cross of Jesus Christ. Number 19, no outsider was allowed to celebrate the victories of deliverance in order to partake of the Lamb. Exodus 12 and 43 said, There shall be no stranger eat thereof. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21 said, You cannot be a partaker of the Lord's table 
and of the table of the devils. <laughs> well, where are you going to eat tonight? I think I'm going to eat with the devil. And I'll wait till Sunday to eat with the Lord. No, you can't do that. Our appetite has changed. Do you know when Israel came out of Egypt, the first time they tasted manna, it tasted like sweet honey. But the longer they ate it, and as God prepared them to go into the land of promise, it changed. The manna changed. It changed its taste. It became like fresh oil. Here's the reason. God had to put a sweet taste to get the taste of leeks and garlics out of their mouth and how the world tasted. He said, I got to change you. I got to get your palate right. And once I get your palate right, then I'm going to give you an anointing. I'm going to give you an anointing. I'm going to take you in with something that I didn't bring you out with. I'm going to give you a power. I'm going to give you a strength. Amen. So we have got a brand new appetite. What used to satisfy us no longer satisfy. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Our tastes have changed. We're feasting on heavenly manner. The unbeliever cannot comprehend why we get so satisfied just going to church. Jesus has the table spread. Anybody used to sing that song where the saints of God are fed? He invites his chosen people coming down. Lord God, I can't believe some of y'all don't remember that song. Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. I'm going to sing it. You may feast at Jesus' table. All that, can I get an alto? Ye who fed the multitude, turn the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now. Oh, you got it. Your quick study. Your quick study. I'm going to have the, the guys come up and sing the second and third verse to that. Come on. Number 20. The Passover, as with the cross, provided salvation and healing. Psalms chapter 105, verse 36 and 37. David recounts what happened because of the Passover. He said, he smote all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. And he brought them forth also with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. I know that that scripture is hard for people to comprehend. You hear me? There was not one feeble person. Stay with me now. Feeble person. Every feeble person is not sick. Uh-oh, I got you. There wasn't a feeble person. Some of us need to quit being feeble on God and saying, Lord, I just don't think I can make it. The Lord has healed us. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. We had a little situation in our home this last week, in fact, the last month. A neurologist told my Cassidy that she probably had an aneurysm or bleeding on her brain. I don't like neurologists that makes guesses. I like neurologists that run tests and tell you facts. And I love Dr. Stewart because he said, Pastor, a real neurologist will not guess. He'll take tests and, and give you facts. Yesterday, Cass went and had an MRI. She's got one of them perfect brains. But what hell wants to do, now can I preach to you right now? What hell wants to do is to make us feeble-minded 
and tell us what we don't have in Christ and what we don't have in the church and what we don't have in our life instead of us saying what I do have in God. I refuse to let the devil give me a feeble mindset. I am going to have a power of God and a sound mind in my spirit. I know, I know the word feeble might mean other things, but I see it as somebody that just can't get over the next bridge. You can. With Jesus Christ walking with you, you can do anything. David said, with God, I could run through a troop and I can leap over a wall. That's what he said. And I'm here to tell you, he didn't even know the Jesus Christ that we know. He just pointed to him, wing point back to him and said, with his help, I have been able to maintain my dignity. I'm going to leave this world and not be feeble-minded. I'm going to leave this world with victory in my life and in my heart. Say amen to that. Say amen. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Isaiah 53 and 4 and 5 said, Surely he has borne our grief, carried our sorrows, yet we just seem him stricken. Smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Everybody say, with his stripes, we are healed. First Peter 2 and 24 said, by his stripes, you were healed. He put it in the past tense. David, or Isaiah put it in the future tense. David put it, I mean, Peter put it in the past tense. Somewhere in the middle of the future in the past, we found healing. Not a feeble person was among the Israelites when they left Egypt. When, they, when we leave this world, everyone will be well in their body and in their mind. In fact, right now, I feel like praying in Jesus' name. It's not in my notes. I just look down and say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray right now. Lord, touch every person in this house right now. Touch every person in this house right now. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, touch every person in this house right now. God healed them of what hell has told them that they have, what hell is trying to destroy their minds with, what hell has put in their hearts and say, you know what, you cannot make it because you don't have complete healing. You don't have, you're going to limp through life all your life. I rebuke that in the name of the Lord. I come against that in Jesus' name. There is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And there will not be any feeble-minded. There will not be people that will walk out of here when you come with feebleness in their life. They're going to go up in a cloud and we're going to rejoice in Jesus because you are the healer of all situations. You're the savior of all sin. And you're the deliverer of all problems in our life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And let me close, let me close, let me close, let me close. Number 21, the Passover brought praise. Everybody say praise. The cross brought praise. The cross still brings praise. I know it was dirty and I know it was bloody and I know it was horrible and I know it was terrible and it was downright awful. But there's something about the cross that brings praise out of me. I love to preach the cross. The word of God tells us in Exodus 15 that after Israel celebrated Passover and crossed the Red Sea, they praised the Lord and began to sing. Miriam got out her tambourine. They had one of them. Exodus 15 said, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song to the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing to the Lord. Everybody say, I'll sing to him. For he hath triumphed gloriously. 
The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's my salvation. He's my God. I will prepare him a habitation. My father's God. I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. The Bible said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Everybody say, we've been redeemed. We've been set free. We've been saved. We've been healed. We've been filled. We've been blessed. <laughs> the feasts of Israel were observed in Christ Jesus fulfilled and in each believer applied. We must apply them to our lives. Here's what I want to tell you. Praise must be calmly for people that are upright with God. It must be. I do believe with all my heart that if you have two hands, you need to clap them to the Lord. If you have a voice, you need to raise it unto God. If you have a voice that can carry a tune, you need to sing. And if you don't have a voice that can carry a tune, you need to sing also. The Bible didn't say, everybody sing on key, said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Hallelujah. We are his children. We're the sheep of his pasture. Amen. 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 Some years ago, a book was written by a man named Gene Smith. It's a book entitled, When the Cheering Stopped, I Close. It was a story of President Woodrow Wilson and the events leading up following World War I. Anybody remember that war? I don't. When that war was over, Wilson was an international hero. There was a great spirit of optimism abroad, and people actually believed that this was the last war that would ever be fought, and the world had made, was made safe for democracy. On his first visit to Paris after World War I, Wilson was greeted by cheering mobs. He was actually more popular than their own heroes of war. The same thing was true in England and Italy. In a Vienna hospital, a Red Cross worker had to tell the children there would be no Christmas presents because of the war and hard times. And the kids didn't believe her. They said President Wilson was coming. And they knew everything would be all right. The cheering lasted about a year. And it gradually began to stop. It turned out that the political leaders of Europe were more concerned about their own agendas than they were for lasting peace. At home, Woodrow Wilson ran to opposition in the United States Senate and the League of Nations was not ratified. Under the strain of it, the president's health began to break in the next election, his party was defeated. So it was at Woodrow Wilson, a man who barely a year or two earlier had been heralded as the new world Messiah, came to the end of his day broken and a defeated man. The cross has survived a lot of cynics a lot of people that would like to put it away. But we do have a true Messiah. We do have a true Savior of this world. He really is. He really is the Lord. He really is Jesus Christ. And I do not want the cheering to ever stop. I want us to cheer for him every time we come to the house of God. When you get out of your bed at night, you wake up in the morning and the sun hadn't come up yet. I want you to bless the Lord at all times. Let his praise continually be in your mouth. Before you go to bed tonight, I want you to thank him for another day because it has been a good day because we have lived to see another sunrise and another sunset. I don't ever want the cheering to stop at Christian Life Church. 
I don't ever want the cheering to stop in the hearts of people that have been born again, filled with the Spirit of God. I don't want the cheering to ever stop. We have got to praise Him. We must praise Him. We must adore Him. But Pastor, it's been a long journey. Oh, I know it's been a long journey. I know that. But have you ever watched a marathon? You ever watched somebody run? I never run one, but you ever watched them? They got people all along the way cheering for them. Come on, you can do this. You can make it. One day, I'm going to get out there and cheer for somebody. I'll never run it, but I'll cheer. But here's what I want to tell you. We're in the marathon of our life. But there's people that's gone on before that's cheering for us. And said, come on. There's a Savior that died on the cross that said, you can make it. Come on. His blood is ever making intercession for us. Come on, I believe that with all my heart. We can do this thing. Come on, we can make it happen. We can finish this race. We can finish this race because of the cross of Jesus Christ in our life and in our heart. Stand to your feet. A little boy was crying on a street corner one day and an officer came up to him and said, Son, little eight-year-old boy, he said, son, can I help you? He said, I don't know, sir, I'm lost. He said, well, what's your address? He said, I don't know, sir, I don't know my address. We just moved to a new house. And he said, I don't know the address. And he said, well, is there, any, is there anything, anything that you could tell me about maybe how to get you home? He said, well, he said, when we moved this house, he said, there was a big old church down on the corner from our house. And on the top of it's a cross. He said, sir, if you can take me to that church and that cross, I can find my way home. I know where home is. I know it's a story that people have heard through the ages, but it still has resident truth in our life. If you can just take me to a church that preaches the cross, I can find my way home. I can get home from there. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. Calvary, oh Calvary, won't you please speak to me? Tell me how much I owe, I want to repay. Then the answer rings clear from the hills of old Judea. Just tell the lost, tell the lost, tell the lost. There's power in the cross of Jesus Christ. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and blessed for a world of lost sinners was slain. Say it, so I'll cherish the rugged cross. And that concludes today's podcast. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thanks for listening.